just as the process of sitting down and enjoying a meal together has huge benefits for kids from better performance in school to lower diet-related diseases to lower substance abuse problems. There's so much research on it. So I think helping overwhelmed, busy families with getting back to the dinner table is huge. You're listening to the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. Whether this is your first time joining me or your hundredth, thank you for being here and being a part of this important conversation. In June 2018, I was tired of being asked by the intuitive eating groups to take my conversations about intermittent fasting elsewhere. At the same time, the conversation in the intermittent fasting community wasn't addressing the emotional and spiritual needs of my IF lifestyle. Before I knew it, the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group was up and running, and I started this podcast. I am super excited to bring you the personal stories of folks who are combining intuitive eating and intermittent fasting successfully, and really creating lives that bring them joy and meaning. Finding recipes that are tasty and family-friendly is really time-consuming, and the convenience of the delivery services where they'll send food and recipes to your house is nice, but it didn't actually work for our family for reasons maybe I'll talk about in a different episode. Um, And being an intermittent faster, it's even trickier because my mission right now is to honor my intuition with my food choices. And I have less food choices that I need to make in a given day. And so I want to honor my intuition and nourish my body. And sometimes that's really hard. Um, And so this episode that I'm sharing with you today, I actually recorded it back in February of 2019, when Christy and I first started using a service called the Dinner Daily. And I was really excited about the service and wanted to interview the founder. And so that is the um, the episode that I'm sharing with you now. So um, if you happen to be looking to simplify your meal planning at all, you're definitely going to want to tune in to learn more about this service. They offer the service to folks in Canada and the U.S. at this time. Um, But even if that doesn't apply to you, like you're not looking for meal planning or anything, Lauren's story is really inspiring for anyone that has uh, things they see in their day-to-day life that they wish were different. That's really the the history behind Lauren's creation of this company. And I really enjoyed the interview. Um, If you do decide that you want to check out the service, uh, you can go to thedinnerdaily.com. And when you check out, um, use the code windowworthy20, windowworthy20, all one word, and the number 20. At um, If you use that code at checkout, they're actually going to give you 20% off a subscription. And that's after um, a free two-week trial. So you could totally check it out and decide if it's for you before you, um, before you commit. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this interview and I'll come back on at the end with, um, repeating the information about the code. If you want to try that, and there'll also be a link in the show notes. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Hi everyone, Andrea here, and I am speaking today with Lauren Mills. She is the CEO and founder of The Dinner Daily. Lauren, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me. Thank you, Andrea. I'm thrilled to be here with you tonight. So I know you have a successful meal planning service, and I want to sort of look at how you got there. So can you you know, take us back to the beginning. Where were you and who were you right before you started down this process that led you to start the company? So the origins of the Dinner Daily, the idea for it really came about when I was working um, for Ernst & Young, um, now EY in downtown Boston, and I'm a former CPA. And um, it's a pretty demanding job. And I had three kids out in the suburbs. And one of the most stressful parts of my day was on the drive home when I was rushing back. um, And I realized most nights I had no idea what I was doing for dinner. I was tired Mm. of seeing my kids. And too often I had to swing by the grocery store and grab something or we were getting takeout or it, it just was always a scramble. And I so wanted it to be enjoyable and peaceful. And I wanted to sit down and have a nice meal with my kids and not be, you know, spending precious time trying to, you know, fly through the grocery store, getting a meal prepared. So it was really that pain point that I faced that so many other um, people face, whether you have kids or you don't have kids. But I think when you have children, um, it, it even becomes more stressful because one of your primary jobs as a mom, or at least I saw it, was to make sure that my kids ate healthy and getting takeout or drive, going through the drive through or, you know, putting something on the table from the freezer just always a guilt um, related activity. So I, I just, it was really that pain of not having a plan for dinner that got me to start it. And I remember the day it was, um, you know, we're in Boston, we get snowstorms all the time. It was February and we had this huge storm and the kids didn't have school the next day. It was unexpected. And I was snowbound at home and uh, I realized I have nothing for dinner and what are we going to do? And it was just, you know, hit me. I don't want to be this disorganized anymore. And Mm. I knew that we were you know, stressed out about dinner. We weren't eating well and we were overspending on our food. And it was really the combination of all of those things that came together that I just said enough. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I can figure this out. So I opened up Excel, um, Microsoft Excel on my PC. I'm good with spreadsheets being a CPA. I grabbed the flyer from our local grocery store and I started planning for the first time ever our weekly dinners But the thing that I did that was really um, exciting for me at the time was that I was planning it based on what was on special at the grocery store. And I remember I put in the spreadsheet, I went down to like the total row. And before I even put a single thing in there, I put a hundred, the number hundred, meaning we're not spending more than a hundred dollars on food this week and we're going to eat well. Okay. And how many kids do you have? Can you put that in context? Like how many Yeah, I have three kids. So a family of five. Okay. So I said $100 for a week of dinners and um, and we're not going over it. And so I did that by really not planning a single meal that wasn't based on the core specials at my grocery store. 
And, and initially it became a, a little bit of a game. And I told my husband, I said, look, you know how we're, we're always complaining at how much money we spend on food and we're not eating well and we're stressed out. I'm solving the problem and we're going to eat this week for a hundred dollars and it, it's going to be, you know, a huge change. And, and honestly, it was kind of, you know, met with skepticism at first, but I realized I went out you know, the next week, I can't remember what day I started it, but it was that snow day that I just realized I can't live like this anymore. This is craziness. And when I shopped the list the first week that I came up with on my computer, and it actually was far less than $100. I think I spent around, it was in the $70 range for those five dinners. But the best thing was that when I came home, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday, I knew what we were having for dinner. I knew what the recipe was. It was on my fridge and I had everything in the fridge and in the pantry. And I was a different mother. And I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. I said, you know what? I'm walking through the door. Kids, I'm going to get a dinner ready. I knew what we were having. I felt so blissfully organized and it sounds so simplistic, but if you have lived that life of walking through the door at 6 PM and everyone's like, what are we doing for dinner? And you don't know. And you go to coming through the door and you have a plan for dinner and you have everything in the house and you know, it's not going to take you more than 30 minutes to get on the table. You feel like you have conquered this huge mountain. Sure. So it sounds like it, it, it sounds like you started your meal planning process with the grocery circular in mind. I'm curious where you were originally getting recipes from, like what kind of resources were you utilizing for that? Yeah. So initially they weren't my recipes at all. I mean, some of them were things that I knew my kids would eat, but I took out, you know, like most of us, we collect cookbooks or we have recipes we rip from magazines that we put in a file and we never do anything with, or, you know, we have these different resources. We print things from online of easy, quick recipes, but if If you don't have them in a cohesive plan, they so often just become pieces of paper, right? So so it was really pulling together that stack of recipes that I had collected over the years and, you know, some tried and true favorites that I knew my kids would eat um, that became the basis for my own family's meal plans. Um, And those things that worked for my own individual family. Okay. And so... How long did you follow that process with the Excel sheet before it sort of morphed into the next iteration for you? Yeah, it was probably about three to four months. So I, after doing that process for a few weeks and realizing how much easier my life was, excuse me, I was sending it to my inner circle of friends, you know, a lot of women that I knew that worked and said, you got to try this you know, here's my menu for the week for my own family. And then they were using it and they were forwarding it to their friends. And I knew the day I got an email from someone who I did not know. And she said, I'm a friend of so-and-so. Can you put me on that email list for that menu thing you do? And when I had this email list of people that were waiting for my family's personal menu each week, (laughs) I realized, you know what, people need this. And as much as there are resources, the web is full of recipes and shopping list apps and 
all kinds of noise around getting dinner done. But I, I think the thing that I really focused on that made it work is that I was living the life of a person that needed the solution. And I needed it to be simple, quick, easy. And I didn't want to spend a fortune to get it done. I actually wanted to save money in the process. So I think that was a real differentiator that, you know, is now a, a fundamental principle of the business is that we are thinking about the person that's walking through the door at 6 p.m., who's tired, who's worked a long day, who may have kids to feed, and the task at hand is dinner. And mm. we don't want to cut peppers and julienne strips. Mm. They just want to get the darn dinner on the table. Yeah. And I, I think that's really a big focus in why our members successfully are able to use our service. So it sounds like some of the key points for you are really about offering simplicity and um, things that aren't overly complicated. Yes. Simplicity is a driving principle of everything we do from the development of our recipes to the presentation of the menus, to the organization of our shopping list, to the delivery of our service on, on the website. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, I mean, we, we, you know, we learn all the time. We sometimes think this is really simple and easy and we listen to our members and we say, you know what, that's not good enough. And we rejig. So not to say that we always get it right a hundred percent of the time, but we are very, very focused on simple because bells and whistles and every kind of feature, you know, people get feature overload from some of these apps. It can do everything in the world but at the end of the day, you're trying to just solve the problem of dinner. I, I don't need every bell and whistle in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, oh. so we've thought about that a lot too. You know, we've, we've tried to keep our feature set very limited and focused on the task at hand. Yeah. So how did it go from the the email list of, you know, people who were requesting your family's meal plan mm-hmm. to ultimately turning this into a business? Like, what was that process like? Because this whole time you were still working your your full-time job, I imagine, right? Like, at what point did I that I was, and change? I was getting ready. I, I knew I couldn't do it much longer. I mean, working, like I said, I had three kids out in the suburbs. My kids were little. My, you know, my son was, I think, three, my youngest. Um, and public accounting is a demanding job deadline intensive. And I, I knew it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to work for my life long-term. So I already was starting to think, you know, I would love to do something on my own. I always had wanted to have my own business. It was something that I had thought about, I think, since I was a kid. So it was a natural um, thought process for me when I realized that there was a problem I was solving to think, hey, could I turn this into a business? Um, but taking that idea to an actual live website was no easy feat. And I really, I, I recruited my my closest friend um, and cousin who, <laughs> I'm, she still is involved in the business, but, you know, it was more like, hey, I have this idea. Do you want to, you want to do it with me? And mm-hmm. let's sit down and try to plot out how we can get this done. And I went into the Small Business Administration in Boston. They have this great um, service or, or uh, volunteer arm called SCORE. It's an acronym, C-O-R-E. And um, I met with a counselor 
who these are a collection of very successful retired or semi-retired business people who have had full-fledged careers and done a lot of different things. And you can go in there with any kind of small business oriented problem, or in my case, look, I have this great idea, help me get started. Um, and so we went in and, and sat with him. And to this day, I'm still in touch with him. Hmm. Uh, and, and what what year was that? That was 2011. I uh, sorry, okay. 2010. So we launched in 2011. Um, and I still talked to him and he was became my mentor and coach for really the first few years of the business. I, I talked to him all the time and he, and he really helped me take that idea and bring it to fruition. That's, that's so neat. And the time like, I first met him to the, sorry, from the time I first met him to the time we launched, it was six months. Wow. That seems like it's really fast. (laughs) You know what? It was fast. Um, And anyone that knows me knows that um, patience is not something I'm good at at all. (laughs) Um, And so I pushed and pushed to get it launched and it wasn't perfect. Um, You know, the the initial website was, was I look back at it and think, you know, I'm still really proud that I pulled that together given that I have no technical ability. we had 75 recipes in our database the day we opened, which is so unbelievable. But, um, you know, it, we just, I was anxious to start. Yeah. Just for comparison, I I'm, i know we're sort of going out of order here, but can you give us like, a, you mentioned 75 when you started and how many recipes roughly do you have in your database now? You know, we don't like to give out that information um, okay. publicly, but I'll tell you that it is, you know, uh, it's multiple and multiples greater than that. So I guess maybe let's shift gears a little bit and I'd love to hear a little bit more about where the recipes come from now. Um, you know, where the inspiration comes. I, I am sort of sure. under the impression that you're maybe creating more of the recipes yourselves or with your team. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe yeah. the team that's supporting you? Sure. So um, we, I mean, I still create some of the recipes. I, I'd say the first, you know, 300 recipes we came up with um, way back when we were first, you know, the first few years, it was myself and my friend Nancy that was involved in the business then um, and still is. And, and, you know, collecting recipes here and there from close friends and families. And, and we had a, a very specific model that we followed. Really, we never go over 10 ingredients. We try to stay to eight. Recipes have to be 30 minutes or less. Um, we really try to stay away from the one-off ingredients. You know, buy a jar of this for a teaspoon that costs $5. So we had a very strict criteria that we followed when we developed our recipes. And certainly they had to be healthy. You know, we, we were not using processed ingredients. It's based around whole foods. Um, so that criteria we still use today, but fast forward to today where we've really expanded our database, we use other people on the team. So the team has grown. We're now 10 people and each person brings their own set of tastes and flavor palettes that they love. And so they, you know, contribute recipes from their families, again, following that set of criteria. So um, that's really helped diversify the database. But then when we really started growing, we um, went a little bit outside the team. And one of our um, team members, she has a family member who's a chef out in the West Coast. 
So we hired her to develop a whole bunch of recipes for us. Um, and those are fabulous because they're so different than what we would necessarily see in New England. Mm. Um, and brings in a whole other set of ingredients and tastes. And because we're a national, you know, we we really want to be able to appeal to people in all regions. We also um, hired a woman who was a graduate of Cordon Bleu in Boston. And she did a whole series of recipes for us um, for the summer. So we asked her to come up with a whole set of grilling recipes. Um, and then we also, because we work with registered dietitians to make sure that our menus are healthy and follow um, solid nutritional guidelines, um, we hired them to develop a whole series of vegetarian-based recipes. And when we were adding specific diet-related menus, such as gluten-free, reduced-carb, dairy-free, we reached out to them to develop recipes that would work for people that were following those plans, but you know, still were nutrient-dense recipes. Um, so mm-hmm. we really use a lot of different resources now, but again, they... They're people we know and trust, and we know them pretty well before we let, you know, those recipes come into our database. And they still follow that same criteria that I followed from the day I started the business. Hmm. That's neat. And um, I feel like I read somewhere, and, and I couldn't tell you where it was, but I feel like I read that the recipes undergo some sort of a testing process where... Oh, yeah. Um, can you... Like, what's that like? And so somebody submits a recipe, what happens to it? (laughs) Well, we, I mean, again, so when the team does a recipe, like our core team, um, you know, if I test a recipe and I think it works and, you know, I, I have pretty high standards for the business. So it really has to work. You know, I have to love it. My family has to love it. If I'm uncertain, I will redo it again. And I'll think, you know, it needs more of this or that. I will redo the recipe. Sometimes I may cook a recipe five times before it gets into our menu. Um, and, and that would be our pretty much our team's process. If another team member tries a recipe, and again, these are people that are very close to our model. They know what a recipe should look and feel like to be on the dinner daily. We all trust each other um, and we know what works and what doesn't. When we use an outside person, so those people that I mentioned where we hired to submit recipes, we do our own internal testing, um, not only to just confirm that it's it meets our criteria because we're still closer to, closest to it, but we also have a very specific way that we write a recipe. So we, again, are thinking about the busy person and we try to get rid of all the fluff in a recipe. Um, you know, if, if it says to cut the vegetables a certain way, as I mentioned before, we just say, chop the pepper. You know, most of the time it doesn't matter if your pepper is a half inch strip or just a strip. And when you're busy, you don't want to be slowed down by that. And it's just, you know, again, we, we try to really streamline the recipes. So we will retest any recipe that comes to us from an outside source because we have to understand how the recipe works so we can put it in dinner daily language or the busy you know, working person or busy person that's just trying to get dinner done. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a focus on wanting the recipes to be healthy. And I, I know that there's, I, I don't know, I would say there's 
maybe infinite interpretations of what that might mean. Can you (laughs) sort of summarize what that means to you and your company? So first and foremost, healthy means real food um, and minimally processed food. So we started by working with a registered dietitian um, or I, you know, right when I was starting to develop recipes, I sought out a registered dietitian and, and said, you know, help me formulate what is a healthy recipe for an everyday family. I'm, I'm not trying to necessarily cater to people that are looking to lose weight or people that are following a fad diet, but what does a healthy meal look like for people that just want to eat, you know, nutritionally sound food? So that was really the beginning basis. And really what it came down to was we use real food. You know, we're not using processed stuff off the shelf. We do use some products that have a healthy option um, on the grocery store shelves and when the convenience factor is so huge. So for instance, we will have recipes that use pasta sauce, jarred pasta sauce, which technically is processed, but there's so many healthy options you can you can buy in your store um, that we feel comfortable with it and our registered dietitian feels comfortable with it. We will use pasta, which is technically a processed food, but for most everyday families, and particularly me, I have I have athletic boys, that's part of our our diet. So mm-hmm. but the focus of the menu plans is on lean proteins seafood, lots of produce, a little bit of dairy, and a little bit of whole grains or, mm-hmm. you know, some type of starch. Um, and that really is the basis of our of our menus. And if you pull any of our shopping lists, you'll see that the produce section is by far the largest part of our shopping list each and every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've definitely noticed that in um, in my use of the service um, and our family has loved it. And the recipes, you know, to your point, like the recipes have been simple and they have been easy to interpret. And so everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, yep. I've experienced that. So it's, it's neat to hear it from, from well, your that's perspective. Great to hear. Um, so you mentioned the, not necessarily wanting to cater to fad diets. And I know there's a lot of meal planning services out there right now that are, you mm-hmm. know, specifically, <laughs> offering plans for keto or plans for Weight Watchers? And is that something that you see your service doing eventually? Or are you leaning more in the other direction of just providing that, you know, that sound, stable option for the everyday family that's not necessarily following a plan? Right. So that's a great question. And, you know, we do get people writing in saying, are you going to offer paleo or keto or, you know, many of the other diets that become really popular And you know, today our focus is really on helping mainstream families who just are trying to get the job of dinner done. Um, we, we have offered um, not they're not fat diets, but we've offered dietary um, filters for people that really need to follow a certain plan. So dairy free, if someone has you know um, celiac or is lactose intolerant, people that or sorry for gluten free that would be um, celiac. But we have reduced carb, gluten free, dairy free, nut free, 
soy-free, egg-free. Um, and really the reason why we picked those is because those dietary conditions can be life-threatening for people. And, and they're critical if they, if mm-hmm. they have an allergy, they have to have a meal plan that follows that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think our focus right now is staying true to who we are mm-hmm. and following sound nutritional principles. We're not a weight loss plan per se. I don't see us becoming a weight loss specific meal planning solution. But with that being said, we have had many, many people, more than I could even count, email us over the years saying, hey, I followed your plan and I've lost weight because I'm following a healthy diet. I'm not getting takeout. I'm not going out to dinner. Uh, you know, you're, the menus are well balanced. The meals focus on those healthy foods, lean mm-hmm. protein and lots of produce, which make you full without, you know, eating a lot of, you know, unhealthy ingredients. So I think it will work for people that are trying to lose weight. We just don't want to necessarily enter that arena um, today. And I, I don't know if we will ever go there. Yeah. I mean, it's a different, it's a different business model. And I mean, everything you're saying, I can understand why, um, why that wouldn't be an obvious direction that you would want to head in. So um, yeah. Yeah. My, my reason for asking wasn't so much to, you know, point out a, a flaw or anything like that. Yeah. It was just to really understand sort of, is that something, you know, so somebody's listening to this podcast and they, you know, are really interested in keto and they're like, I wonder if, and well, now, now we have the answer that that's not necessarily something that you are leaning towards. But I mean, honestly, like, I feel like a lot of the recipes, because there is so much flexibility in mm-hmm. the menu choice that I feel like even someone following a particular diet would be able to, you know, choose a different side dish or, you know, beef up, maybe beef is the wrong word, but like, yeah. you know, <laughs> spruce up some aspect of the the main dish. Like, I feel like the recipes are simple enough that for someone who's used to needing to adjust their food to meet whatever plan they're trying to follow, I feel like your recipes would be easily adaptable if someone had that that need um, without you having to change your service at all. Right. And, you know, we do, we, we get people to email us and ask us those questions. And, and the response we typically give is, you know, we don't have a keto or paleo specific plan, but to be honest, we know we have people that follow those diets that use our service. And so we give a free two-week trial and we encourage them and say, sign up and try it. For the reason you just mentioned, you can swap things out. You can swap the side dishes. You know, there's enough customization available to you that you could make it work unless you were mm-hmm. a really extreme diet plan. Um, you yeah. know, our focus now, if we're going to expand dietary or menu options is on, again, because we are health focused first we are planning on adding heart disease friendly menus and diabetic friendly menus. And we would offer those um, before we'd offer a, a weight loss specific program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes total sense to me. Um, so I think we've touched on this a little bit, but I'm, I'm curious to address it more specifically. Um, like how, you know, whether it be your own story or 
the story of some of your clients over the years. How do you see your service as really helping families and their kids, if they have any, have a healthier relationship with food? Like, how does your service tie into that picture for your families? Well, I think first and foremost, it helps people get back to the family dinner table, you know, Mm -hmm. which there's so many research, so much research about the benefits of gathering your family around the table at night and having dinner. And that family can be two people or it can be, you know, two adults with four kids. It, it just is the process of sitting down and enjoying a meal together has huge benefits for kids from better performance in school to lower diet related diseases, to lower substance abuse problems. There's so much research on it. So I think helping overwhelmed, busy families with getting back to the dinner table is huge. Um, It also helps them eat better and appreciate different foods. A really common testimonial we get is, I never thought my kids would eat fish. I never thought my kids would eat broccoli. I never thought my kids would eat this or or my husband or whoever it is in their family because they get into these cooking ruts where we cook the same thing over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden they're trying new things and, and, you know, it's really a a lovely testimony we get when people say, you know, I cooked this recipe and I never thought my kids would eat it and I couldn't believe it. And they, they ate the vegetable and they ate the fish. And it's like this, you know, this amazing moment for them that they're able to bring new food to their kids that's healthy and they see their children embracing trying new food. Mm -hmm. That's huge huge in terms of having your children be good lifelong eaters Mm -hmm. to expose them to new tastes, new textures, new foods at an early age. I mean, it's one of the best gifts we can give our kids on the path to health. Yeah. My, um, I have a six-year-old boy and I, I I don't know how many recipes we've made now, but I can't think of any that he wouldn't eat, you know, like, I feel like people have preferences. And so like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest that he's necessarily, you know, that he would want a particular recipe every day or something, but Mm -hmm. I I feel like that every single recipe was not a fight um, to get him to eat. And, um, and yeah, we've been, we've certainly been pleased with what we've tried as well, which is, it it is nice. And like you're saying, there's different tastes, right? Like there's, we're cooking with ingredients that we haven't necessarily cooked with before, or, you know, a different, different way of seasoning them. And I, you mentioned, you know, getting into a rut and I feel like, um, you know, before we started down um, the path that led me to find your service, we were utilizing Pinterest, for example. And the Pinterest algorithms, like if you search for chicken today, you're going to get 10 suggestions for chicken recipes tomorrow. And it makes it hard to get out of that rut. And yeah, so sure. having a service, having a service like yours, I feel like has really allowed us, first of all, it saved us a heck of a lot of time. And it's probably saved us money as well. We don't, we didn't track it in that sort of way, Mm -hmm. but certainly it's, it's broadened our, um, it's, it's allowed us to expand the ingredients that we're using in a real, um, a real accessible way that things that we wouldn't have been able to try otherwise. Yeah. um, Well, that's, which has been great. 
that's great to hear. And, you know, something I said, it made me think of that when you mentioned your six-year-old son, that there's things that he hasn't necessarily turned away, but maybe he's not telling you, mom, this is the best dinner I've ever had in my life. And, you know, we say to people all the time that, you know, the, our definition of success is, um, or at least for me, for, for my own family is, did, was the meal healthy? Did my children eat it? Did it, was it relatively easy to get on the table? And if I can answer all yes to all three of those, that's a successful dinner to me. I mean, often Mm -hmm. we'll say, mom, that dinner was delicious or gosh, make that again. You know, there's definitely meals that I've created for the dinner daily that they love and have become part of our rotation. But lots of times, you know, sometimes they, they are like, yeah, that was good. I can tell it's not necessarily their favorite, but they Mm -hmm. eat it. And I, and I think on a Tuesday night before I have to head to hockey practice, that's good for me. Mm-hmm. My <laughs> definition of success. I'm not cooking for a dinner um, party on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, speaking of dinner parties, um, I saw uh, on the Instagram feed that, you know, there was a beautiful spread of a, of a beautiful table and yep. there was some talk of, um, getting your team together and and having a dinner party and that, you know, members could look forward to seeing a, a menu in the future. I'm, I'm curious. So how did, um, so I guess just to fill in the details um, for folks listening on the podcast, like as a member, I can see there's an area where I can click in and get basically a dinner party menu. And it looks like there's even the archives of right. that. And I'm, is there, like, how did that come come about? Because I feel like that's a really unique feature that I, I hadn't necessarily heard about any other companies offering, which is is pretty neat. So how did that happen? <laughs> well, honestly, um, I love to plan a party and I love to throw dinner parties. I, I don't that often, uh, as often anymore as I would like, because I've been so busy with the business, but I just love to throw together a menu for for a dinner party, it was just always one of my favorite things to do. So when we started the business, I just said, you know what? I have so many menus that I have done for social reasons. Um, and let's just pull those together and give them to our members as a nice bonus. Um, and, and it really just, it just came from, from that, just from the joy I get from pulling together a party. Um, the photo that you saw on Instagram was recently, um, and I had a dinner party for my um, for my team, um, where we put together the menu for the next um, dinner party plan that's going to be updated on the site in the next month or so. Um, so that was actually our unofficial test kitchen of you know, our dinner party menu for that's coming out. Um, so yeah, that, that's what that was all about, but it really was just because I enjoy it. And again, if you're busy and you don't have time and it's a nice thing to be able to do, most people don't like to have a dinner party because the process of figuring out what to make and how to pull together the timeline is too overwhelming. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to um, I want to ask just a couple other questions before we wrap up. And 
one thing that I feel like we touched on when you were sort of talking about how you came to sort of start down this process, you mentioned looking at the grocery circular. And and I feel like um, that's something that we haven't talked about, but it's also a very integral part of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I get my circular in the mail on Friday and it's Friday when I can log into my dinner daily dashboard and see that my menu is planned based on that circular. So I'm curious, like, because the list of grocers that is available is is huge from what I recall when I signed up. Like how yeah. like how did that networking happen? <laughs> like I imagine that that's one of the more challenging things, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um, it is it is a uh, you know it, it's a as you mentioned a very key thing. Um, about our service, it definitely is a differentiator. It makes us very different from other meal planning sites in that we integrate and customize menus for 52 grocery store chains, major grocery store chains across the country. We're in all 50 states um, and it's over Mm 16,000 grocery stores that people can get their menus customized around the weekly circular each and every week. Um, That's awesome. the process, you know, we we started, uh, it was 20, the end of 2015 that we started bringing the service across the country. So at that point, we were just in New England. We covered eight chains and we started our um, expansion across the country at that point in time. So early 2016. And the way we picked the geographic areas and the chains was really based on uh, two things. One was demand and from members. And secondly was we looked at chains that had a large geographic reach. So Mm. independent grocers are not part of our service today because they just don't cover enough of the population to make it efficient for us. So we tried to pick stores like Publix and Winn-Dixie and Kroger Mm -hmm. and Safeway, you know, stores that have um, a lot of coverage for the, for the chain. Um, but it is a process and it's it's something that is proprietary to us in terms of how we get that information from the grocery stores and how we get it into our our system each and every week and our algorithm takes it from there and it takes all that sales data um, and combines that with your personal profile of food preferences and dietary needs, family size, and creates this customized menu, not only based on mm-hmm. food, but also the key things that are on special at your grocery store. And and we've done testing on what it really saves people. And it really does lower your grocery bills if you follow it. So we've done testing where we've taken a a shopping list week one when that shopping list was based on what was on special at store and it's um, X dollars. And then the next week we've taken the same exact list and shopped it again when those items are no longer on special and it's about 25% more in food costs. Hmm. So it really does save people money. And, and I get why it's hard to do because, you know, grabbing that flyer and incorporating into a comprehensive, cohesive plan every week is incredibly time consuming. Yeah. Um, What would you say is the, biggest challenge you're facing right now with regards to 
the service or the direction the company is headed in. I mean, whatever. And, you know, um, what would you say your challenge is right now? Um, well, you know, we're heading for a huge year in terms of growth. So we have a growing um, corporate channel where we sell our service as a corporate wellness benefit to a number of companies. Um, we have been um, also integrated with a um, health insurance company here in New England, Tufts Health Plan, where we're part of their network of member benefits. So, um, and there's so much opportunity there in corporate wellness and more and more people are realizing in that industry that even if you have a smoking cessation program or a Fitbit program or you do barometric screening or, or whatever it is, if you don't help people address the nutritional side of wellness, you're, it's going to be really challenging to help your employees be healthy. So, so there's huge opportunity there. There's huge growth in, and, you know, we are still um, continually challenged by how we uh, move fast enough to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, the other challenge we have is really keeping up to speed with all of the various um, delivery services and, and trying to really expand that part of the business as well and working with the grocery stores because the grocery industry, you know, we follow it because obviously it's integral to what we do, but it's an exciting industry right now with Amazon buying Whole Foods and all of these independent delivery companies coming into play like Instacart and new companies coming into the market. And so there's a lot going on and we really feel as though our service solves so many issues um, for not only busy consumers trying to use their grocery store, but also the grocery store is trying to build, um, you know, a good experience at their stores. And then there's the delivery piece of it. So for us, it's really trying to stay on top of all of these various industry trends and putting the dinner daily in the right place um, to be part of this, you know, growth in the industry. And what would you say is motivating you to keep doing that work? Like, I, I imagine it has its really challenging moments. And what is it that really lights you up as far as the work you're doing right now? Well, I would say without question, it's the testimonials we get from people. I mean, we we get them almost every week. People put them on our Facebook page or we hear from people. And it really is... Um, heartwarming, the things that they tell us. And it's not just, you know, sometimes it's, I love your service. It helps me. I save time. And, and those are, those are great. And we always love reading those, but we get ones from people who say things like, you know, I, my husband was sick and I was so overwhelmed and I needed to find a way to cook healthy. And this helped my family in a really trying time or, you know, I've used your service and I'm able to get my kids, my teenagers to help me cook dinner. and we're saving money or I was pre-diabetic and now I started using the dinner daily and my health problems have been minimized. So without question, when we get one of those testimonials from people, whoever gets it circulates it to the team. And it is always an amazing feel good moment because we know that what we're doing is making a difference to 
to these people's lives and and that we really get the problem and we are solving it for them. Um, I mean, the other motivation is is a little bit what I just mentioned. This industry is exciting right now. There's so much going on. There's new players coming in and and we really feel like we're in a great place because we offer something very unique um, that not only helps the grocery stores, but helps the consumers at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that I think isn't very exciting for all of us. I'm curious um, if I know that there's some people who may be reluctant to try a service like this because, you know, we've talked a little bit about different ingredients that I hadn't necessarily tried before and all that sort of thing. And I'm sure there's some people who are, they like their basic menu and they're not necessarily inclined to be adventurous. And I know that in the um, in the food preferences area, there's a um, one option that I, I feel like is a you know I don't know keep it simple or just the basics. Can Stick you elaborate basics, briefly yeah. on? Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about what that <laughs> is, just so for folks listening that might be a little scared of what the sure. service would would. Yeah. What would that be like for them? So the stick to the basics option came about for people that really want a pared down menu. So those recipes that they will see if they choose that option are um, more simple in terms of the ingredients that show up on the menu. So they won't see things with olives or um, quinoa or sweet chili sauce or, um, you know, or, or the combination of foods that's used in a recipe. You know, we have a couple of recipes that use blueberries, for instance, in an interesting way. They're fabulous, but we get some people see that, you know, blueberry glazed pork and they think that's weird. My kids won't eat it. And honestly, my kids love it. And it, but, but we understand that some people, they just want to see something that's roast chicken, broccoli some type of, you know, starch, whether that's rice or potatoes, they don't want to see anything that looks funky or out of the ordinary. So that's what that menu is. And it's really intended to address the concern you mentioned for people that may feel overwhelmed with starting something new. And to that point, we always say to people, you can customize this menu to be as much or as little as you want. So we give you five recipes out of the gate, but you can delete as many as you want to, to start small, for instance, in the first week. So we'll encourage people just pick two to three recipes to do the first week. Don't feel like you have to do them all. And we bet that you'll be pleasantly surprised at how your family reacts to trying a new recipe. Even if you think on the surface, they may not like it. Um, You know, you can change your preferences however often as you want. And it's free for the first two weeks. So we always encourage people that have those concerns, just try it. You know, if you decide in the first two weeks that it's not for you, you can cancel and you won't have had to have paid anything. Um, And so for someone that has picky eaters that may have that concern, they could try that stick to the basics option and see how they go. Mm -hmm. And and I. And it's um, kids, I think, often will try things more than I think we all tend to think parent food, kid food. And really what we talk a lot about is there's one dinner, one family, one dinner. 
And as soon as people start following that formula that I cook one meal, you know, dinner becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I've exhausted the questions that I wanted to ask. Um, but I'm, I realize there may be things that you wish you had been able to share or you wish I had asked. Is there anything that you want to sort of say in closing before we wrap up? Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I, I guess the only thing I would say is that one thing I believe very passionately and our whole team believes is that dinner can be a really pleasant and easy experience for you at the end of the day, no matter how busy you are, but you really just need a plan and you need an organizational tool to, to get the job done. It's really hard to just wing it night after night after night. Um, and so whether you use the dinner daily or you use another service or you have your own method, I would just strongly encourage everyone to really try to make their family dinner at the end of the day, a, a really special time. Um, and that doesn't have to necessarily be fancy food or something complicated. It just means having good food around the table with people you love. And it's worth the effort to try to make this a new routine in your family. Um, just like anything, whether, you know, you join a gym or you try to, you know, fit a nightly walk or fit exercise into your routine. This is one of those things that it does take effort and time. And focus, but it's well worth the benefits to try to make family dinner a regular part of your life. Well, uh, speaking of family dinner, I know I've got a dinner daily meal waiting for me in about fifteen minutes. Oh, <laughs> so nice! What is my it? mouth is. Um, it's it's one of this. It's a steak recipe. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not the one who's uh knee deep in the menu plan aspect of things. I just happened to be the one that found the service and then sort of handed it off. Okay. To well, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I reap the benefits yeah. of the, of the tasty food. So, uh, you know, thank you again for taking time out of your, your night to chat with me. Um, sure. and I'm, you know, I, I am really looking forward to seeing where your service goes and looking forward to being an affiliate for you and hopefully introducing people to your service. And, um, you know, if I hear any testimonials myself, I will certainly pass them along. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it was great to talk to you as well. And, you know, we're looking forward to, to getting to know you and your site um, as well. I hope you enjoyed the episode where I interviewed Lauren. I especially was moved by the parts where she talked about um, the moments when the company really came to be, you know, those first times when she was planning her menu. And then also just the, the impact uh, that having a dinner with our families around the table can have for our the health of our children and our families. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed the interview and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And if you do decide that you want to check out the dinner daily, again, they have a two, two week free trial. And if you use the code windowworthy20 at checkout, uh, you'll get 20% off your first subscription. So check it out and uh, come over to the Facebook group and let me know what you think.
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. If you would like to join in a community of like-minded fasters, uh, come on over to the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group and join the conversation there. I look forward to seeing you. Just answer a few questions and I'll let you in the group and you can be a part of the amazing community that I'm building. Uh, And I look forward to seeing you soon.